This is Thurman Hayes, pastor of First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. We want to welcome you to this message from our services at First Baptist. We're a congregation that is seeking to touch lives through the life-changing power of the gospel. I pray that you'll encounter Christ in His power and love even now as you listen. So for the next, next uh, five weeks today and four Sundays following, we're going to be in a new series called Who's Your One? And it's about disciples making disciples, which is really the, the vision of our church. And so to begin that series today, I'm going to ask you to turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4, and we're going to talk today about the, the call to reach your one. When, when Jesus calls us to himself, he calls us to other people as well. Part of being his follower, part of being his disciple is the call to open up our lives to other people and to seek to make other disciples. That's the great commission. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But you know, that's just, we can talk all we want about reaching the world, but that's just kind of empty rhetoric if we're not reaching out to the people that are all around us. And we can talk about reaching everybody, but it doesn't mean anything if we're not seeking to reach the one. People come to know Jesus one by one. We're called to love people and minister to people one by one. So that's the theme of these next weeks together. Who's your one? It's about disciples making disciples. And today we're looking at that call that Jesus places on each of our, our lives. We just sung about, the, about Peter. And, and just as Jesus issued a call to Peter and those original disciples, he issues that call to you and me as well. So we're looking at that today. Matthew chapter 4 is where we'll be in, in God's word today. So let's take a look at that together. I'm going to ask you to stand um, as we do that. Matthew 4, and we are going to look this morning at verses 18 through 22. The Bible says that as Jesus was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers... Simon, who is called Peter, and his brother Andrew, they were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. Follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and his brother John. They were in a boat with Zebedee, their father, preparing their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. You can be seated. Let's pray. Father, as we approach your word today, and as we think about the call that you have placed on each of our lives, the call to to follow you, we pray that you would make us aware that to follow you really means that we're, we're also investing in the lives of other people. You call us to follow you and you say, I will make you fish for people. To to follow you is to care about people, to love people, 
to, to be your disciple is by definition to, to seek to help other people become disciples. It's part of loving them. It's part of loving you. And so we, we pray that you would show us that today through your word, that we would come away understanding the, the call that you have placed on our lives. And Father, for anyone here who's never responded to that call, who still needs to become a disciple, Father, we pray that by your grace that the, the, the love of Christ would just shine through and that you would open hearts to respond to your love. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Well, all of us have images that, that pop into our minds when people say certain words. I mean, it just, it comes involuntarily. We don't control it. But, you know, if I were to say the word Star Wars, you know, there are hundreds of different images that are coming into minds across this room right now. Some of you, if you think of Star Wars, you're thinking, you know, I just never got into the whole thing. I'm not into science fiction, and I'm aware of the whole phenomenon, but I really didn't see the, the movies. And so, you know, you're kind of there. And others of you, uh, when you hear the term Star Wars, if you're of a certain generation like me, then you're thinking of certain actors and actresses. You're thinking about maybe, you know, Harrison Ford and uh, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher. And maybe if you're of a different generation, maybe you're thinking about Hayden Christensen or Natalie Portman or, God forbid, Jar Jar Binks, um, or uh, maybe you just came along very recently to the Star Wars party, and so you're thinking about Daisy Ridley or Adam uh, Driver or The the, the Force Awakens, different images. Um, What do you think about when you hear the word Christian? You know, in, in our culture, If you were to approach people on the street and you were to ask 10 people, are you a Christian, you might get nine different answers. Uh, You would maybe get a a yes or a no or I'm not sure, or you might get forms of yes or forms of no, yes, but, or no, but. Personally, I would be in the yes but can't because I would want to define what that means. If I were asked the question, are you a Christian? My response would be yes, but here's what I mean by that. And then I would go on to talk about the good news of Jesus and and what it it means to to follow him as a, a disciple. It's interesting that the first followers of Jesus really did not refer to themselves as Christian. That Christian was a, a name that was, was given to them by others. And in fact, in the Bible, in Acts 11 and verse 26, the Bible says that the disciples were first called Christians at Antioch. And, and the, the language there is passive, which means that they were called Christian by someone else. It was not what they typically called themselves, at least not in that point in church history. And probably they were called that by people who were making fun of them because they were saying, you're always talking about Christ, Christ this, Christ that. 
And so they, they called them Christians. So eventually, that was a title that, that the early believers wore with honor, <laughs> as we should, because it, it associates us with Christ. But the term that really is more descriptive of what it means to follow Jesus is the term disciple. And so we're going to talk this morning about the call on all of our lives to follow Jesus, to be his disciples. And what we're going to see is that embedded within that call to be a disciple is the call to make other disciples. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fish for people. So in other words, if we are following Jesus closely, we're going to be fishing for other people. If someone once said, if you're not fishing, you're not following. Embedded in the call to discipleship is the call to care about other people, to care about the one. So let's talk about that today. Let's talk about that call. And I want us to see five principles together today about that call of, of Jesus to us. How does Jesus extend that call? How does he choose us? First of all, Jesus doesn't choose by ability. Jesus doesn't choose by ability. So let's look at verse 18. It says, as he was walking along the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. So the fact that, that Jesus began his ministry by choosing just kind of ordinary, everyday people really speaks volumes, doesn't it? John MacArthur says, God skipped all the lies of this day. The great scholars were in Egypt, the great library in Alexandria, the great philosophers were in Athens, the powerful were in Rome. He passed over Herodotus, the historian, and Socrates, the great thinker, and Julius Caesar. He chose men so ordinary it was comical. No rabbis, no teachers, no religious experts. In the, in the eyes of the, the world, the, the people that Jesus chose to be his original followers were, were very much the B team. Why did he do that? I love what J.D. Greer says about this. J.D. Greer says he chose the B team because his work in the world would not come from their abilities for him. It would come from what he could do through them. Love that. So what does that mean? It means we should, each of us, stop making excuses that, that we are not able to reach people in our lives for Christ because this has nothing to do with your ability. God doesn't need your ability or my ability. He simply requires our availability. And it's his power working through us. So we make ourselves simply available to him. So God doesn't choose by ability. Second, he chose us, not we him. <laughs> Verse 19, Jesus says, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. So who is taking the initiative here in choosing? It's Jesus. 
Now, that was not typically the case. In the first century, if people wanted to become a disciple of a certain rabbi, they would sort of apply to follow that guy. You know, they would seek out the, the rabbi, and they would ask if they would, could become a, a learner, a student, a, a, a disciple. And so it was sort of the student choosing the rabbi. Jesus flips the script. And so in, in John 15 and verse 16, Jesus says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. I appointed you to go and produce fruit. And here's a really wild thing. Not only did Jesus choose you as a disciple to go and produce fruit, but he's already chosen the fruit that you're going to bear. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. You know, the greatest joy of, of being a trustee with the International Mission Board, without a doubt, is to be able to pray over missionaries before they go overseas. And when I have the opportunity to do that, I find myself inevitably going to Ephesians 2.10 in the prayer because I know that wherever these people are going in the world, that the Holy Spirit has already gone ahead of them as a traveling secretary and that he's already been at work in the lives of of people that they're going to be talking with, the, the lives of people that they're going to be loving on, and that he's already in the process of opening doors for them and opening hearts of people that they're going to talk to. And see, each of us should wake up every single morning with that kind of a mindset, that the Holy Spirit is going to lead us that day, that the Holy Spirit has gone ahead of us that day, that God knows the path that we're going to take that day, that God knows the conversations that we're going to be in that day, the people that we're going to encounter that day. And we can just assume that if we are agents of God, and we are, that the Holy Spirit has already gone ahead. He's already been at work ahead of you especially if you're praying for people. So I I just encourage you to to use this. I've been using this in my own uh, life. Um, And it's it's wonderful. It doesn't take long, but it just really makes it personal. And just over the next 30 days, if you use this and just kind of begin to cultivate that habit of praying, you know, specifically for people in your life. And listen, if you're praying for people, listen, you can just know that God is at work around you and that as you walk out into your life every day that you are on mission, you're walking into the mission field and that God's at work and that God's going to use you and he's going to lead you and guide you. This is the exhilarating thing about the Christian life. And this leads to the third point. Our primary call is to be with Jesus. Our our primary call is to be with Jesus. Check out verse 19 again. Follow me and I will make you fish for people. Follow me, Jesus says. This is a relationship. Notice here that Jesus doesn't spell out exactly where they're going to be going. 
Because the, the important thing is not where they're going to go. The important thing is who they're going to be with. They're going to be with Jesus. And as Jesus gives us the great commission, how does he end that? He says, go into all the world and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And then what? I will be with you to the end of the age. You're not alone as you do this. We, we need to get out of the, the mindset of thinking that we're doing life alone. We need to understand that as Christ followers that we are doing life with Jesus. That he is with us. And that as we seek to minister to people, that it's not just about you and another person. When you try to talk to somebody in your life about Jesus, it's not the conversation, it's just not just you and another person. No, Jesus is present. The Holy Spirit is working. The Holy Spirit is going to come alongside. He's going to give you words. The Holy Spirit is going to open doors for you to love people and to share with people. This is a relationship. The call is to be with him, with him, wherever you are. You're joining him in ministry and what he's doing. Fourth, to follow him, we have to leave all. To follow him, we have to leave all. Let's look at verse 22 together. It says, immediately... They left the boat and their father and followed him. Why does Matthew kind of lock in on the boat and the father that they're leaving? Because the boat and their father kind of represented their primary attachments in life. Their boat was their livelihood. They were fishermen. Their, their, their father represented the most powerful human family influence in their lives. In fact, it was their father that, fathers that had taught them the trade of fishing to, to begin with. And it says they left the boat and their father and followed him. Now, Jesus is not saying, hey, you can never fish again. Jesus is not calling them to, to disavow uh, their parents or stop loving or honoring their parents. That wasn't it. The issue is what takes precedence? What takes precedence? What's your priority going to be? Is Jesus going to be your Lord or is something or someone else going to be your Lord? Jim Dennison is a pastor in, in Texas, thinking about we had bat, celebrated baptism earlier. And when he was a college student, he was in Malaysia for a summer, a very Muslim nation. And one time in, in, in church, there was a teenage girl who was baptized. And he noticed that over against the wall, there was just some old beat up luggage and he asked the pastor, he said, who does that belong to? He said, oh, it belongs to the, to the girl who was baptized today. Because her father told her that if she was baptized as a Christian, don't even bother coming home. And so she brought her luggage to her baptism. And for most of us in the West, following Jesus is, is not going to mean that. But certainly for all of us, there come moments in our lives where we decide what is truly going to hold sway in our lives. And is Jesus really going to be Lord or are other things going to take precedence? You know, as a, if you're a teenager, you might be the only, the only student in your immediate peer group that's serious 
about following Jesus, and you're going to have to choose, is Jesus going to be my Lord, or is popularity going to be my Lord? You know, you might, in, 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 in business or on your job, you know, you, you might be tempted, you might see every, everybody else seems to be cutting ethical corners, and sometimes you might feel tempted and you might feel like, you know, even if I'm just going to keep up, I'm going to have to cut the same, those same ethical corners. Or you can trust God that you can be a person of rock solid integrity and that God will bless you and take care of you and, and he, will, he will provide for you. Will you trust him in that way? Speaking of providing for him, we have to do that with our money, with our income. I mean, we have to decide, are we really going to trust God? Giving is a great way to do that. I love that hymn that we sung earlier. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. How I've proved him o'er and o'er. If, if, we, if we launch out and we trust the Lord, and part one of the ways that we learn to trust him is in the, in the, through giving and the way that we handle our finances, we will see his faithfulness. His faithfulness will be proved over and over again. He will come through. Uh, it's just a practical way of learning how to trust and learning how to, how to make so that Jesus is Lord and not money. In conversations with, with people, um, you know, we, we have to decide, you know, am I going to kind of stay on safe ground here? Am I just going to keep this conversation at the level of, you know, sports and weather and kids? Or am I going to love this person enough to, to, to take the conversation to a deeper level and, and to talk about ultimate things and matters of the soul and talk about the, the, the gospel. One of the things that we're going to do in gospel conversations just, is just to kind of talk about how that can be a very, very natural uh, sort of thing. But listen, if we'll do that, if we'll kind of get out of our comfort zone and, and just begin to, to gently, lovingly talk to people about Jesus, listen, you, you, will, you will sense the power of the Holy Spirit coming alongside you giving you words and you will sense his smile. And listen, when we think about this, just having a conversation with a person about Jesus is a huge win. We're gonna talk about it in a moment. We don't control outcomes, right? But, but our call as disciples is to love people enough to speak of Jesus with them. So to follow him, we have to leave all. That might be our comfort zone, <laughs> right? It might, it might be all kinds of, of things, but, but if Jesus is truly going to be Lord, he's number one. Fifth, he calls us to spiritually reproduce. He calls us to spiritually reproduce. Verse 19, follow me, he told them, and I will make you fish for people. And so embedded within the very call to follow Jesus is the call to care about other people, to fish for other people. We'll talk about what that means in a minute and what it doesn't mean. But what it comes down to is love. 
We are called to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. That's the great commandment. We're called to go and make disciples of all nations. That's the great commission. The great commission and the great commandment are all about love. Love for God, love for others. Talking to people in your life about Jesus is an issue of love. It flows out of love. If you simply think of it as part of loving people, because that's exactly what it is. Jesus says, follow me and I will make you fish for people. It means that whatever your vocation is, you know, whether you're a teacher or you're in, 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 in business or just wherever, whatever your vocation is, it, it means that ultimately as a follower of Christ, that you're to be about people. People. Follow me and I'll make you fish for people. Now, what does that mean? What does it not mean? Let's take a look at some things. First of all, we are not trying to sell the gospel. <laughs> it's not for sale. It is free. It has been purchased by the shed blood of Christ. His blood has been shed. He has purchased the salvation of all who will repent and believe. He has risen from the dead. It is done. It is finished. It's not for sale. And we're not salespersons. We're simply people that are loving other people. And part of loving them you know, is, is, is talking to them about the good news of what Jesus has done. Second, we do not control outcomes. We do not control outcomes. The founder of Crew, Bill Bright, once said that it's, it's about sharing Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit and leaving the results to God. We're simply vessels. Just, just the, a conversation with another, person, uh, with another person about Jesus is a win. It's the Holy Spirit that does the Ultimately, the, the winning of people. The Holy Spirit opens the hearts of people to respond to the gospel. We can't do that. We don't control outcomes. Third, you are God's methodology. What is God's program for winning our community and the world for Christ? It's you. I love what Robert Coleman said about this. He said, when will the church learn this lesson? Preaching to the masses, although necessary, will never suffice. Individual men and women are God's method. God's plan for discipleship is not something, but someone. You are God's method. You are God's program. You are God's plan. God's, God's plan is disciples making disciples, which is why our mission statement as a church is this, to glorify Christ by making disciples who make disciples in our community and around the world. And that begins with one. Who's your one? Let's pray together.
as you came in today, you, you received a, the prayer guide. And there's a, there's a bookmark that, that goes along, along with that. And, and, and part, of, part of that is a place where you can write the name of a, of a person in your life that you're especially going to be uh, praying for over the next year and, and, and sharing the gospel uh, with them and, and inviting them uh, to come to a relationship with Christ and, and his church. Um, and, and maybe you're prepared to write that name down right now. And if you are, then go ahead and, go ahead and do that. Or you may say, you know, I, I, need to, I need a chance to pray about this. Let me go home and do that. that and that's, that's fine. But before God, don't leave it blank. Somebody loved you enough to, to care for you, to pray for you, to speak with you. And, and, and either now or <clears throat> like this afternoon, this week, put a name in that place. And I want you to hold on to this because we're gonna, we're gonna do something special with these toward the, the end of this, of this series. And use your prayer guide to, to pray specifically for that, that person beginning today in your, in your quiet time. Maybe you're here today and you would say, you know, I, I'm not even sure that I am a disciple. Listen, we're here for you. You want to know more? We want to come alongside you. Because the, the good news of this is that it has been purchased. That, that God loved you so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Turn to Jesus right now. He loves you. That love has been proven by his death on the cross for our sins by his resurrection from the dead. He lives, there is life, there is life abundant, new life, eternal life to be found in Christ. Turn to him and trust him today. Are you a disciple? You can become one, turn to Christ. Are you on a mission as we're called to be, you've heard the call. It's extended every single one of us to follow Jesus is to be on mission. Wherever you are, every day, wake up with the understanding, I'm on a mission. Would you recommit your life to that right now? Right now, commit your life to that. And, and part of that means getting specific with that. So it's, it's real people in our minds that we're praying for, sharing with. Father, we thank you for the amazing love that you have shown to us in, in Christ and how exhilarating it is to, to be called to follow you to, to know that we, we are in a, a life-changing relationship with you. None of us are there yet. We haven't arrived. We are all just still under construction. We're all in process. We're all learning together, sometimes stumbling along together. But by your grace, you are forming us and shaping us. 
as disciples and teaching us more and more about what it means to follow you. You're doing that in our lives as individuals. You're doing that with our church. And Lord, how we we praise you for that. And so, Lord, we commit our lives to you. We commit our church to you as we seek to be on mission beside you and just allow you to work in us and through us as we do that. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. I hope you've been blessed by this message. Christ is the answer for every need, now and for all eternity. As someone once said, Jesus plus nothing equals everything, and everything minus Jesus equals nothing. Have you trusted in Jesus as your Savior? If not, why not now? His arms are open wide to receive you. It may help to pray a prayer like this. Father, I know that you are holy and that I have sinned and fallen short of your glory. I know that you are a righteous God who must punish sin, but I believe that your son Jesus took my punishment for me, died in my place, and rose from the dead so that I could have eternal life. Right now, I turn to Jesus and trust in his finished work for me. In his name I pray, amen. You know, the Bible says this in John 1:12: to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that means that if you've received Christ, God has adopted you as his beloved child, his very own son or daughter. Just imagine it. Almighty God, the Lord of this universe, the one who possesses all authority in heaven and earth, is now your loving father and you are his child. You say, I love him. How can I honor God with the rest of my life? Well, when you love someone, you want to spend time with him. We get to know God through his word, through prayer, and through his people. I would encourage you to pick up a copy of the Bible and begin to read it. Begin to pour out your heart to him in prayer. And find a church family where the Bible is preached, where Christ is exalted, and where his love is flowing. If you're local, I want to invite you to the church I pastor, First Baptist Church of Suffolk, Virginia. I'd love to meet you and help you in your Christian journey. I would love to connect you to some other people who love the Lord and who would love you too. Come to one of our services. We worship at 8.30 and 11 on Sunday mornings. Be sure to speak to me before or after the service. Maybe you live outside our area. I'd love for you to write me. My email is pastor at fbcsuffolk.org. Tell me what God is doing in your life. If you have spiritual questions I could help you with, please let me know. We're on this journey together.